0: This is the Magic Word
1: Hello, this is Scott Wells for the Magic Word Thank you for coming back and listening to this second of a two-part episode featuring Terry Evanswood as he gives us an audible tour of his magic mansion. It is a pretty incredible place and I hope you enjoyed the first part, which is probably why you've come back again, because we kind of let you hanging last week and you are able to use your imagination to be able to see with your ears what we were going through as he was explaining each of the rooms and the things that we were seeing. It's a pretty darn incredible place. And if you get an opportunity to go to Pigeon Forge, be sure to contact Terry in advance online, and you can make reservations to uh, get a personalized tour then as well. This is kind of an abbreviated tour, even though it lasted about an hour and a half. He has, uh, the tours can take up to four hours. I mean, it is uh, if if you look at everything, there's so much to see, and even longer, actually. But it's uh, really pretty incredible, and I want to thank Terry very much. And I also want to thank Tom Vorjahan, whose voice you hear from time to time in the back, and also Terry will talk to uh, during this, uh, our tour. And Tom is Uh, A good friend of mine who actually was featured in episode 473, which I recommend you go back and listen to if you are interested in restaurant magic. In fact, he has uh, some of the most incredible lecture notes on working restaurants. And if you are interested in in that sort of thing, I recommend you get in touch with Tom and uh, order a copy for yourself. You will not regret it. You'll learn a lot from it. Last week we began a contest where you can get a chance to win an ebook or a physical book that is offered by Michael Bregger, who is the author of uh, these not only these books but several other books that are available. In fact, he is a friend of the Magic Word, and not only has been a, a financial patron, uh, which we so greatly appreciate, but then also he has given us some books which we give out as perks for some people at different levels, for, depending upon your giving. When you become a friend of the Magic Word, then as well, this book is. Uh, Go going to be available, as I said, either as an e-book or if you reside within the U.S., you could perhaps win a physical copy of this book. And on the backside of this podcast, I'll remind you of where you can go and how you can enter this contest. We're going to run it for one more week, and next week we will announce the winner. So be sure to enter this week. You've had a whole week to do it, and I'm going to give you one more week before we close this up. Well, we have so much more to see in this wonderful magic mansion with Terry Evanswood, and also to hear a little bit about kind of what he's been doing for the past several years and how he has gone from one end of Pigeon Forge to the other and working just about every possible venue and theater around town. There is so much to uh, learn from this young man, and I appreciate the time that he gave us. And also, I want to thank Tom Forgehan for the one who had really introduced me to Terry and had suggested that we do this podcast. So, we all benefit because of friends who help us and thank you for listening and I hope that you enjoy again this week's episode featuring my friend and yours Terry Evanswood here on The Magic Word Now we're entering into more of uh, an area that was darkened area that we had over there and so now we come through a uh, curtain into the awards area. It looks like You have won just about everything that a magician could possibly get.
0: Well, I've just been very blessed um, in doing this as long as I have, that a lot of uh, communities and organizations, the Magic Society, has been very kind to me, um, except the IBM. I'm kidding. Tom Tom (laughs) Borgian is with me. Uh, Actually, right behind him is the Presidential Award from the International Brotherhood of Magicians. And also, I believe there's a lifetime membership, yes, to our local ring here, uh, yeah, I, can you imagine how much I had to pay Tom to make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of beautiful things. Um, the Merlin award is in a case here, but one of my favorite items is this one. Uh, that same year when I, I told you, I met the animator from Walt Disney. By the time I got home, this was in the mail and it's a Disneyland honorary citizen certificate. Uh, calling me an a, a citizen of Disneyland he had left complimentary tickets for my cast and I go to the park the day we left the magic castle and uh i I don't know what that means to be an honorary citizen of Disneyland but it's cool but it's signed by Mickey Mouse so you know it's legit <laughs> it has a number on it too yeah but Terry there's just hundreds of four dozen <laughs> the, Four dozen of these awards here. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. four dozen on the walls. Yeah, oh, of the, wh- yeah. For so those are you, who are listening. Yeah, we probably a, got about. There's not ten awards. No, there's probably about 30 different uh, plaques that are just butted up against <laughs> each other over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, my, my friend calls this the hallway of me. But you know, I, I I just I love to point out to be a, it's an opportunity for me to explain the magic business and how many clubs and societies and you know that we all work together to uh, to make history. I hear the hoopla. Yes, we're opening the door to the Willy Wonka room. <laughs> Tell them what you're seeing. Well, as
1: he opens the door, there it looks like um, Liberace. I, I'm sorry, uh, Lawrence Well, because there is a bubble machine that's blowing and so. There are bubbles, and inside here <laughs> we've got a couple of uh, small uh, oompa-loopas <laughs> that yes, are mechanical oompa loompas. That's a
0: wonderful story. There are two um, antique automatons from the 1940s and kind of a long story, but turns out they were exhibits in the very first roadside attraction here in Pigeon Forge. It was a display called Fabulous Fairyland. It was a big castle you would pay to wander through the the fairy tale stories, and these were the last two surviving figures. I did not know that until I converted them into (laughs) Oompa Loompas for this display, but there are some wonderful pieces in here. There's a hat that was signed by uh, Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie, okay, uh, autographs of Gene Wilder and all the characters from the film. Uh, there's props from the film, one of the bottles from the fizzy lifting room, and of course the bubbles come from the ceiling. The um, the my, most amazing...
1: My granddaughter had just starred in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Uh, she's 12 years old. She played Violet. Oh, perfect. And just was great. She just did a great job in that's the, perfect. Yeah, the community theater. Oh, that's great. So that was great. her first big production, and so... First very, of many, I hope.
0: very cool! Oh, for sure, yeah. It's a it's a healthy fun love thing these. for kids to be involved in in theater. Very happy to tell you, two of the original cast members were here to see my collection. Uh, the kid that played Mike TV, Paris yeah. Thuman, and um, and the head Oompa Loompa, uh, whose name is Rusty, little British actor. And um, uh, when they they first came. We were sitting down in the dining room, looking through my photo. I don't know how I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to—I'll figure it out because <laughs> uh, there's things I can't say over the over the airwaves here. But uh, we were going through the scrapbooks I had, and they thought that was the collection. They didn't know about the full room dedicated mm-hmm. to Wonka, and I was happy that we did that because. Paris mentioned, you know, when they were filming, Mel, the director, did not let the kids see the chocolate factory until the cameras were rolling. Hmm. So when you see the kids' faces... A genuine it's surprise. Absolute, mm-hmm. genuine surprise, because back then, there was no CG. Mm-hmm. If you wanted a life-size chocolate factory, you had to build a life-size chocolate factory. So uh, so the reaction was genuine. So I told uh, Jay Rumpel at the time, who just still does a lot of my media work and uh, video photography and um, website designs I asked him he had the camera that night I told him Jay go up in the Wonka room and get in the corner and <laughs> film so when I open the door we'll get an actual reaction of an Oompa Loompa and Mike TV and it worked great mostly
1: <laughs>
0: so when the I op- quite so surprised when I opened the door Mike TV said wow and the Oompa Loompa walked in he goes Oh, beep. <laughs> so you fill in the blanks. Any four letters that you want to fill in there. But uh, yeah, I, I have this on film. I have an Oompa Loompa dropping the F-bomb in my house. <laughs> Who can say that? kind of treasure. Many.
1: He was obviously surprised.
0: Yes, he was.
1: Goodness. Wow. That is more than just
0: a little passion you're showing <laughs> at that. So uh, watch your stepper and come down the stairs. And I have to tell you how this happened. When Eddie Monster Butch Patrick was here, he said, "Where's Spot?" Well, Spot was the dragon, of course, that lived under the stairs in the monster show. So I, I can't believe I hadn't thought of that. So Spot is here. I'm going to knock on the trap door in the floor here at the bottom of the staircase, and we'll see if we can wake up the dragon. You might even hear him. His name is Singe. Singe.
1: So there is a, a snarling dragon in chains and smoke coming out and a red light that's emphasizing everything over here underneath this trap door that's just been lifted at the base of the staircase.
0: Oh, you, wow. You describing that just reminded me of Orson Welles doing the... Uh, um, Uh, War of the Worlds was it? uh, Yeah, the Mercury Theater. Yeah, yeah, my uncle Orson. Yeah, people were (laughs) believing. People were believing. You were very convincing explaining. There's a dragon and it's breathing fire and there's red lights and run for your life. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to cross over the dragon pit into
1: uh, what does this little
0: area looks like? Under the steps. Passing my office, um, the roll-top desk uh, just happened to fit in this nook perfectly, and I had that for, I don't know, 20-some years. It was my in my dressing room years ago. You had here Harry in- you Blackstone
1: Sr.'s picture up there, I see.
0: Yes, he's my big hero from the past. Yep. If I could go back and meet anyone, it would probably be uh, Blackstone, as far mm-hmm. as the magic world goes. We're going to a very special area. It's getting a little colder. It's a little for chilly. Us. I can kind of feel it's this. It's a little so colder now. Yeah, uh, Tom, you might want to join us. I don't know if you've been through this area. Tom, uh-huh. stay with your tour, Tom. And we're walking, and we're walking, <laughs> and we're stopping. Did you eaten by the dragon? <laughs> he got eaten by the dragon.
1: So yeah, it's as if that uh, we're starting to feel a little chill in our bones of something
0: a little bit uh, wicked. This way is coming. That's right. You couldn't have guessed it uh, more appropriately. So we're unlocking. If you listen closely, we're gonna, we're going to unlock the the next room, and we're entering the mine shaft that I found here at Magic Mansion. Oh wow! This is kind of like uh, from Ken Klosterman's house.
1: So, yes, you can hear it's creaking, and this is an old elevator shaft. It looks like that we are in a, an old gold mine, silver mine, perhaps. You, <clears> the type way, of...
0: Right
1: hold onto the rail. Oh, okay. Right. Holding onto the rail. Because things are going to be getting crazy here, I got a feeling.
0: Okay. So, uh, as the story goes... I like that. That's how I, I preface a lot of things with the public. As the story goes, because it's my story. Yeah. But Not as, saying it's true or false, no, but as the story as, goes. As the story goes, uh, Magic Mansion was built over an old mine shaft, and I didn't know it was here until the Historical Society came to tour the house and told me about it. So we uncovered it and got it back up and running. I don't have an operator's license for an elevator, but we're going to go on a trip. We're going to go about 40 feet below Magic Mansion. Hold
1: on. We are descending into the pits of a mine, going down a mine shaft. The walls are rocking, the floor is shaking, as we can look out the window, we can see as we're descending that the outside is going up as we're going down.
0: open up the other side door and we're going to exit the mine shaft into what all of you will probably uh agree might be a favorite among the magicians
1: and this was what i saw when you know, we had david sandy's tour most of the yes magic stuff that was down here on that uh th- that Sunday evening show.
0: For those of you who remember the collection that I had in the uh, the Hall of Magic at Wonderworks for the decade I was there, it's now here as part of the exhibit at Magic Mansion. And I'll tell you guys, I, I'm loving having the antique magic here because I get to enjoy it. When it was at the theater, I rarely saw it. Right. It was in the lobby. Now you literally live with it. I live with it. it, and I can I can research and play and dream and remember. And you remember. keep the climate control by being below the that house. Means, That's right. You know, 40 yeah. feet below. Yeah. 40 <laughs> Below the house, it's safe and uh, it's in a perfect environment. So, what are we seeing then? We are uh, behind seeing glass
1: cabinets. We, we are, are seeing, seeing feathered flowers and
0: cups a and A lot of, of props that uh, my dad and I found all those years flea-marketing one piece at a time from the. The monthly that are all magic related, all magic related antiques. Most of the stuff in here, the the majority, the great majority, is nineteen thirties uh, and forties. Probably not of high value, except to you. Correct. Yeah, uh, like a lot of the things uh, in my home might not be of particular value. Now, there's some treasures like we talked about the Titanic, but most of them are treasures to me because of sentimental. Exactly. Examples. I'm terribly sentimental. I just have this nostalgia. Of course, nostalgia isn't what it used to be.
1: <laughs> Come on, you know that's Come on. funny. Yeah, that's good.
0: <laughs> and you got a uh, bunch of magic books. It looks like magic in books pitch books, from the 30s. Yeah, in pitch books. Uh, the first mass-produced magic set was the Misto Magic Set behind us. Uh, AC Gilbert created uh, chemistry sets, uh, erector sets. If you remember mm-hmm. what oh, an I erector, had an erector set record. is, sure And the magic sets. And these are sampling... Everything was made back then. Of course, there's no plastic. It's all wood, metal, and metal. Yep. And, um, and paper, cardboard. Mm-hmm. Behind us, there's a display from Thurston, including, I guess, the, the piece to point out is a top hat that belonged to Thurston that he used for the Water Fountain Act. There's a magic wand that belonged to Nicola. I found it in an antique store in my hometown, the guy promised me it was Nicola's but had no documentation. Um, I was probably 16 or 17 years old and I couldn't afford it, but he put it on layaway for me and I made payments for months uh, until I could acquire it. And it wasn't until years later that the, the end cap of the magic wand fell off and I realized there was something inside. Turns out, it was a scroll. It's over a foot long. It's a scroll from a magic club in India telling Nicola how, in their opinion, they believe he's the greatest magician that ever walked the face of the earth. So not only did it uh, authenticate the yep. wand, Providence. But I, I felt like Indiana Jones. I started going through every little box. and <laughs> pulling, What else have yeah, I got <laughs> here that's hiding up. a secret? Yeah. There's a tuxedo here. That I've always went loved to the Dorney. name Nicola. That is a wonderful name.
1: My my son's name is Nicholas, and I w- had he oh. been a girl, it would have been Nicole. I just oh, like okay. I, I like it's like eh, it's, I can't say Nicola Nicola, it but does uh, have a nice yeah, ring to it. I, I love that name.
0: Yeah, have you heard of Dorney? Of course. Okay. Warner uh, Dornfeld. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dorney was a Chicago boy and uh, at one point the uh, president of the Society of American Magicians. This is a tuxedo that belonged to Dorney. Was she related to Sue Holstein? Very much so. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought them up. Mark and Sue are great friends of and mine. mine too. We grew up in the, uh, in the Chicago suburbs together, and they were so incredibly helpful over the years with my shows. Sue would uh, understudy and jump in if we had a, a major stage show. Or tell me about this. And it's because of Sue. Sue's father, Bill Mm Smitak, who is just one of the sweetest men I've ever met in Magic or otherwise. He was very good friends with Dorney. When Dorney passed, Dorney's collection and costumes went to Bill. As Bill was aging, he saw my interest in antique magic collection and history, and he wanted me to carry it on. So there's a large handmade wooden trunk that Dorney made, and inside are all the handmade costumes that he sewed and painted and put together. He did everything. He, he made the props. He built the trunks. He, he sewed. He painted. He popped the popcorn. He did the market. He did it all. He was a one-man, one-man band. Speaking of a one-man band, uh, next I'd like to show and play for you uh, a, um, a mechanical band, otherwise known as a Nickelodeon. When you say Nickelodeons today, kids think it's a TV program. The word Nickelodeon was from uh, basically what I would call the first jukebox. Put another nickel in in the Nickelodeon. You'd put a nickel in the machine, and it would vend a song. Uh, it's terribly loud and out of tune, uh, and currently I think still it has uh, Christmas music, so I don't know what we're going to hear. But I'm going to fire it up and see. I, I really have no... Tom's reaching for his pocket change. I figured you're going to ask for a nickel. Let me see your pocket change, Tom. Definitely. <laughs> well, we oh, it's been kind of a tough season for you, huh? <laughs> I have no change. All right, here we go. The Nickelodeon. I'm going to
1: stand back over here then. Wow. I'm standing on the other side of the room.
0: Thirty-six pipes, two drums, a tambourine, a triangle, and castanets. And castanets are so wonderful. It's even fun to say castanets. castanets. Yeah, the castanets. They do a wonderful job in animating and bringing the instrument to life. So that's something I'm working on restoring. Jack Gwynn. You remember Jack Gwynn? Of course, he was from Chicago then as well. So he Chicago had the,
1: uh, the uh, ladder levitation that Walter had
0: uh, improved. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Walt, uh, Zany Blaney. Uh, so... These are the sands, towels, and bowls that Jack and Ann used for the Sands of Egypt presentation, which we still do in our show today. Uh, a collection of Harry Potter. You probably Bonson knew the family Sr. pretty well. Up N- no, Chicago. I actually, I never had a chance to meet. Really? Never had the a chance to meet the Gwynns. No. Nope. Uh, but always big fans from what I've seen. And, well, you've talked read. to Don Weiberg, I'm sure, because Don was friends with him, and he could write a book about them. And, you know, I I know that's true because, interesting story, when... <clears throat> When uh, the collection ended up in Marshall Brodine's hands, Mr. TV Magic, Wizzo. Wizzo. played Wizzo, the Wacky Wizard. I don't know if you saw it. Doody-doody. Doody-doody-do. Yeah. I know the story behind that you'll find interesting. Uh, I asked Marshall one day, I said, what was with the magic words? He'd wave the magic stone of Zanzibar and say, doody-doody-do. Well, he told me. I don't know if anybody knows this story. He said, you know, back when the Bozo show was airing live, his wife, Judy, would be at home watching. And he would say Judy, 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 as a nod to his wife. Yeah. Well, when that marriage failed, and they divorced, he changed it to Duty, Duty, Duty.
1: It's interesting. When he was showing me the collection at his house, and one time he had a toilet seat that you would lift a toilet yeah. seat, it would say Duty, Duty.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you noticed, but in the collection room, the original San, uh, the uh, Stone of Zanzibar is here. Marshall gave no, it to me. No, I didn't know it is. That. Okay, it's okay. here. Yeah, in the upstairs room. So, uh, and last but not least, uh, Harry Blackstone Jr., the reason that we're all having this conversation. I tell guests and I'll tell you, uh, you know, if if my dad had not bought the newspaper that day and seen the ad for the Blackstone show and and took me to see it, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. In fact, it would have altered my life, but it also would have altered all of your lives. Right now, you would be doing something else. You would not be listening to this program. It's just amazing to me how things work out the way they're supposed to, and we meet people and cross paths with the people that we're supposed to as it's meant to happen. I'm I'm thankful for Harry Blackstone Jr. for giving me the inspiration and, uh, and making all this possible. One of my prized possessions is this autographed blackstone jr poster it was the last time i saw harry blackstone alive he signed this for me and it just means everything to me it says terry thank you for keeping the torch burning for our art of magic keep up the good work that was 1991 not long before he passed
1: pancreatic cancer yes yep
0: there are some Houdini things, Houdini autograph, and some uh, memorabilia, the souvenir program from Houdini's last show.
1: Are the uh, wrist restraints and some of the things?
0: All the, the handcuffs that we're talking about in this display are just props that I have, okay. uh, but there is a key on that red pillow that belonged to Houdini. And the last display is the, the collection Batanias. of flowers. You can tell them about that, and I'm going to turn this on for you.
1: Yeah, as we're uh, looking through this uh, glass case, it looks like just a lot of feathered flowers, which would have been the kind of thing, perhaps, again, Harry Blackstone Jr. would have used with the uh, dart flowers, and he would produce the flowers from the um, from his tapestry and then throw them and stick into the floor. As well as, uh, as we're looking at it, that's actually a blooming at batania, because I'm seeing now the, uh, the red flowers blooming.
0: And behind you, um, one of the original flower darts you just mentioned from mm-hmm. Blackstone Jr., and ironically, the yellow flower dart from his father in the senior display. Wow. That was given to me by George Schantzel. Wow. Okay. So we're gonna head back up the uh, up the magic elevator. We'll take the shortcut.
1: Take the shortcut, uh, take the stairs back up instead of the elevator. (laughs) Back up from the way we came.
0: And welcome to uh, the little magic theater here at Magic Mansion.
1: Oh, and as you were saying at the very beginning of this that your tour ends up in the theater
0: like this with about a 20-minute magic show that you do. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and I do all the stuff that we all do uh, in this scale. Parlor magic, the newspaper tricks and linking rings. I've saved all the tricks that I had when I used to perform birthday party shows, and now I get to use them again. I do the die box with the kids and close-up magic, and we just have fun. Uh, and I, I love doing the shows here. And one of the things I want to make a point to to uh, to all of you is this. You know, I I thought part of my enjoyment as a performer was the scale of the show, that it was about the stage show, but I learned very quickly doing the little show in a 17-seat theater. It's it's always been the interaction and the involvement of the audience and what magic can do for other people. It brings out the kid and we forget about reality and and that's really the purpose. So it doesn't matter if you're doing card tricks, if you're doing birthday party shows, if you're doing stage shows, or you're making the Statue of Liberty disappear. It's all it all has the same purpose. If it's doing if it's being done correctly, the purpose is that we all have fun. We get to create that sense of imagination that people lose as they grow older, uh, and that's what I see. Happen here i'm just happy to know that it doesn't matter what the scale of magic is it does the same thing for me and then it it transcends the audience how many uh, seats are in the theater where you currently are performing around 500 okay uh but and this is the fourth theater here in i Disney started Fort? at eagle mountain theater for two years and i moved to country night for eight years then i served three years at magic beyond belief and then uh 10 years at Wonderworks and this is my 4th year at the Grand Majestic. I've just completed 8 8,447 shows in Pigeon Forge. Who's counting? Not me. <laughs> but you know that's not why that's not why the show is less. I'm 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 not famous for magic. I'm the only entertainer on God's green earth touring Pigeon Forge. That's (laughs) from one end to the other. Yeah, I'm I'm running out of theaters, folks. So, yeah, coming to a town near you. Yeah, Yeah. twenty-seven years. We're starting Saturday. Twenty-seventh year. Well, this is a grand theater. I mean, in miniature. That seats looks like
1: about uh, what? Twenty-five people. Seventeen. Seventeen people. Okay. And uh, so, as you say, it's perfect for parlor size. And you've got a nice little uh, theater here with uh, your props and everything over to the side. So this completes this uh, end of the tour? Yeah. Um,
0: I'll tell you a little bit about some of the things, yeah. and I've got a, an end, um, a great way to end our time together. The ceiling is antique tin plate ceiling that I pulled out of a restaurant in Knoxville. The seats themselves were, once upon a time, the front row of Magic Beyond Belief Theater where I performed over three thousand hours, but like Tom said, who's counting? Uh, opening day, my mother and father sat in seat number one and number two, and Gay Blackstone sat in number three, and was there for my opening in her husband's absence, uh, which was just such a such a blessing. The um, the wall sconces and the wall paper, the persinium, And the curtains, the backdrops, were all out of Sweet Fanny Adams Theater that was 40 years the longest-running show in the Smoky Mountain vacation destination. It was a family-run, kind of a gaslight theater in Gatlinburg. Some of you may have had the pleasure of going. My favorite show that was ever in the area. When uh, COVID took that show out, too, permanently closed a lot of attractions in Gatlinburg, I was fortunate to um, get the first call from the theater owner, Chris, to come and rescue what could be rescued. So this is kind of a tribute to that family's work. So you just
1: peeled the wallpaper off the wall?
0: Well, this is like a damask fabric. So um, it was able to be recovered, literally. The fringe above us, that's the the fringe on the proscenium was from the Blackstone Jr. Magic Show. I found that in one of the wardrobe trunks that I acquired from his collection. So that is my world. We do the magic show throughout the week, and I have a great time sharing with people, my collections, and most importantly, the stories, because as you know, performing what we do, it's really about the story, the presentation. Any you know, you can do the tricks. We can all do the same tricks. In fact, most of us do, but it's really the way you present it and putting your personal uh, life's experience. Uh, or as I say, as the story goes, we create our own spin on it and make it our own. And, and because if you can use your own life's experiences and, and what you're passionate about, as you do a trick, it really becomes, it's not just a trick. It, it comes to life and can make an effect on people. So, that being said, I'd like to end our time together and read you the other poem.
1: I was wondering I about the second poem because you said there were two poems that you had written. So, let's hear the other.
0: So, okay, that wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Wow, is yeah. it break apart? Frame. No, it's a, it's a uh, yeah, it's like a breakaway <laughs> wand, except we'll, the whole thing breaks apart. Yeah. So, um, I, I want to preface this by explaining that I had some people come through the house and they didn't quite know. Uh, how to explain it. And I, one time I, somebody said, well, you have a lot of junk and I, and I do, <laughs> I, I do. But I said, well, you're missing the point. It's not, it's not just, it's not about the stuff. It's about what the stuff means to me. You know, when, when you walk through here, this is a house tour. When I walk through here, you know what it is? Th- this is a three dimensional scrapbook of my life. That's what I, I, I relive my whole life. Every house tour. Things that belong to my parents and my grandparents and things that I've found over the years and the places I've been, these seats that were once upon a time in Magic Beyond Belief Theater, the props that I had when I was a kid, and on and on and on. uh, It all tells my story, and I share as much as I can with people who visit. When my dad was here, there was an interviewer, and when they heard that the guy in the tour was my dad, they said, you know, we don't want to talk to Terry. Let's talk to Terry's dad. And they asked my dad, how would you sum up Terry's house? And he said the most amazing thing. Um, my dad said, after thinking for a moment, he said, here's what I can tell you. If Terry were gone, you could walk through this house and you would know him. And I just, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. I've put my heart and soul into this. This is you. It's, um, I, I want to be able to share it. mm mm-hmm. So I wrote a poem, and it's called The Magical Store, and it kind of sums up what I'm trying to explain to you, that it's not about about the stuff, folks. Uh, The material things in our life are just ours to borrow while we're here. Everything we own, everything we have, everything we hold dear, the clothes on your back, the car that you're driving, it's all just temporary. It'll all be gone or belong to somebody else. Uh, What stays is the, the personal stories and the experiences that we can share as human beings and fellow magicians in this case. So I wrote a poem and it goes like this. There is this place that I recall fond, where dreams became real from a misty beyond. A place where you could buy legends and lore. This place simply called the Magical Store. It's a home to imagination, no grown ups allowed. It's only for dreamers, not your typical crowd. I stood there a child, my nose to the glass, and hours disappeared like minutes they passed. I gazed at all the wondrous things, a floating sphere, linking rings cards and coins from treasures untold before my eyes mysteries unfold flowers made of feathers some invisible thread a silk top hat where a rabbit once tread a magic wand would flash on command and cards would appear from a once empty hand stories of unheard of faraway lands with mysterious waters and colorful sands Silks of Alibaba and a thousand one-nights would lead this child on fantasy flights. A mystical lamp of fine and pure gold, where a genie once lived, or so it was told. For a dime, fifty cents, a dollar, no more, dreams could be bought at this magical store. Now, it wasn't so much these material things, but the way in this place that my heart would take wings, a place where a child could dream bright tomorrows and a wave of a wand could vanish all sorrows. It held mysteries and secrets and oh, so much more. And to think it was all for sale at the magical store.
1: Very well done. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. That's all from the heart, just as this house has been a little, little labor of love then as well. Terry, I've got to say that tour was amazing of your house. So thank you very much for that tour.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> it's really an accumulation of all my dreams in one spot. I've got to tell you a quick story about that. Okay. A friend of mine, Kathy Tarmichael in high school, mm-hmm. uh, she was over at the house one day and she saw it when I lived with my parents in mm-hmm. high school. And she saw these collections, my train layout, HO skill train layout. Uh, I had been building that haunted house project. I had a little stage built in the corner where I'd practice my Chavez. I'm a Chavez graduate. I was
1: going to ask you about that. Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've always collected antiques, my parents as well. And Kathy said, what's your ultimate dream? If you'd have anybody, what's your ultimate dream? And I thought, you know, my ultimate dream is not possible. And that would be to have all of my collections, my show, the antiques, all under one roof. And like the said, Barnum Museum. Yes, yeah. And she said, oh, you'll do it. And I, uh, this whole time I thought, no, no, there's no way to do that. And son of a gun, she was Right. Uh, When she came to visit a couple years ago, uh, she said, you remember what I said that it would happen? I said, Kathy, I never would have believed it. But, yeah, now I have the antique, uh, the historic home connected to uh, an an addition that was done in the 70s where I have my theater and uh, the haunted house elements, the sideshow museum, the train layout. It's all under one roof. Yeah, plus even more that you're expanding then right now to include this other gift shop. I I keep telling people, all right, after this project, I'm done.
1: It sounds like the Remington house. Yeah, <laughs> that never
0: ends. Yeah, it's becoming
1: that. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, never ending, because you started in Chicago and kind of moved on, I think it's kind of fascinating as far as your story in uh, trying to find a theater. You've been here now, you say you're going on your 27th year, and uh, to begin with, uh, I, there are other illusionists out there who are looking for, not just illusionists, but close-up guys also, and looking for a venue. Are there suggestions that you might have, or perhaps just some life experiences you can share of how people can uh, go about finding their own venue? Well, I'll tell you on, my you
0: know. story, and maybe you can apply it to your career when When tammy my first assistant of 20 years tammy and i moved to uh, uh, out in the chicago suburbs and thought we really wanted to find a, a permanent home for the show we'd been doing road shows and that was kind of what i called the 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 shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. We were doing birthday parties, Cub Scout banquets, center ring in a circus. Then we do a corporate event. Then the next week we we're at college. It was just a little bit of everything we hadn't narrowed you down. You no
1: I mean, didn't say no to we, anything. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And, and one day I said, you know what? So you're sh- flight time, which is important what you're doing That's there. That's true. Absolutely. And I, I told Tammy, I said, here's what we're going to do. We're stopping booking shows at such and such a date. We're, we're closing the calendar off and we're not booking shows past that point. And she said, well, what, what's that going to accomplish? Mm. And I said, it's going to force us to find a permanent home. We're going on a road trip. Uh, we checked out Myrtle Beach. There were already successful magic shows there. Likewise, in, um, in Orlando, of course, Las Vegas, uh, Branson, Wisconsin Dells. I needed to find a vacation destination. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why had not, I hadn't I thought of uh, the location that my parents used to take me on summer vacations every year? We're heading to Pigeon Forge. So, and it's not that I didn't want to be in a place with competition. It's truly because I didn't want to step on anyone else's territory. I wanted to find a location where there wasn't a magic show. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be stepping on anyone's toes. Uh, We could call it our own and build the first magic show in a vacation destination. And it was Pigeon Forge. We came down in the dead of winter that year in January and started knocking on doors. There were 12 theaters, and of the 12 theaters, there were 12 country music shows. There was no variety. <laughs> no
1: magic or there variety. Was no var-
0: Actually, they had both kind of music. They had country and western. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but uh, there was no variety show. Uh, we, I knocked on the last door, Eagle Mountain Theater, which is now gone, uh, and they said, no, we already have our country show set uh, for the season, Jim Ed Brown and Helen Cornelius, which are classic uh, country singers from the past. And so we kind of were downhearted and sure. I, I. Discouraged at that point. Wa- exactly. You've gone through that
1: last 12th theater and yeah, they said no. It I was like, where else do we go? They've all said no.
0: I was walking out the theater door and the manager, Bridget, she said, wait, wait a minute. We had been kind of thrown around the idea of doing a morning show. Uh, That would be different. Would you be interested in doing a morning show? You're
1: talking about a breakfast kind of a thing. Right.
0: Yeah, continental breakfast, donuts Mm -hmm. and coffee and orange juice and a magic show. And I thought, good God, that's the last thing I want to do.
1: But our our
0: last contract, (laughs) we were in Aruba. We're doing a a 10 o'clock show at night, 10 p.m., Mm -hmm. I'm not a morning person, as most entertainers are. I Vampires do more than I do during the day. <laughs> I just And I, I, I'm thinking, no. And I looked at Tammy, turned Tammy, and I, I kind of rolled my eyes, and she said, yes, we want to do a morning show. Because she knew better than I did that we need to get our foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do a morning show for for a year, and something will open up. and we'll, well, a year turned into two years at Eagle Mountain Theater. Uh, doing a breakfast show doing still for the second show. two
1: years. Okay.
0: The owners six them, days a week, seven? What? Six days a week, 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Our average attendance was eight people. There were some days oh. we had more people in the cast and crew than we had in the audience, but I always gave 110%. Yeah. I love what I do, as as all of you do, I hope. Um, you know, we do this passion. You know the old saying, if you... If you uh, if you have a job doing what you love, you don't work a day in your life. And that's how it was for us. It's
1: important to give it all also. I remember Ben Bergeron talking about that, that when he was doing something as well, when he was uh, uh, performing like in uh, Florida and he was trying to make a name for himself. And the problem was that uh, he couldn't get the pay he wanted. Right. So he gave a lesser yes. pay. And so he got more of those. Sh- we, were, uh, we, were we were doing paying a, shows. a
0: huge illusion show with the backdrop changes and costume changes and animals, a rabbit and a 10 foot snake and doves and uh, the dog, all of this, you know, material uh, in a full two-hour show for eight people at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I slowly learned how to build a, a production show of our own, a stage production show, and.
1: And marketing also, I guess, along Yes, oh gosh, yeah.
0: <laughs> what we call restaurant runs, where you go to the restaurants one by one and hand out. Like River they Shirt. do in Branson. Come to my magic yeah. show. Here, come to my magic did show. Did they do come that here in
1: Branson show. still? I mean, sorry, in, in Pigeon Forge? Well, I remember they did that they, in Branson. They used
0: but to, but now with they social discourage media. discourage that? Well, okay. and social media. Oh, and so many of the restaurants have become corporate uh, mm-hmm. locations where you, you can't self-advertise. Uh, one of my favorite stories, we had a big uh, family-owned water park. Ogles Water Park, right here in the parkway. And lucky for me, a friend of ours worked the box office. So I would go and have myself paged. Here you have, you know, 400 people spread throughout this water park. Boy, that's an old ploy. And and they would hear this. Ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? Would Terry Evanswood from the 10 o'clock morning magic show... Please report to the box office Terry Evanswood from the family 10 o'clock morning Magic show appropriate for all ages. Please report to the box office I got such a kid. anything we could to promote sure. the show. Uh, when the, the owners of Eagle Mountain Theatre decided to uh, let the country night sh- I'm sorry, the um, country music show go, uh, the theater was up for lease, 30,000 dollars a month. 1,000 dollars a day for a key to the building. Hmm. Every time you turn that key, it's $1,000. Well, it was a little out of uh, reality for us. So I started knocking on doors. Well, I went up to the next theater up the street where we're currently uh, conducting this interview, Country Tonight Theater. I walked in. Jeff Taylor was the GM, still is. And uh, I said, uh, I do the magic show. He said, no, I know who you are. My mother's been to your show. She loves your show. And I said, I'm wondering if uh, you might be interested in continuing my, you know, morning magic show here. And he said, no, we don't want to hire a morning magic show. And immediately I changed the t- I said, no, not hiring. Um, I'd like to rent the theater at 10 o'clock in the morning. And he said, all right, well, what are we talking? Now he's interested. Yeah, because right? there's money. And I said, well, what I'd be interested in doing is what we call in show business a, a, a two-wall you're providing the theater. The heat's on already, Jeff. The heat's on. There are people in the box office. Why not make money at 10 o'clock in the morning? I provide the show. You provide the business and we split whatever comes in the gate and it worked. So I worked country tonight for, I'd say four years. And then it hit me. Why are we doing six shows a week? when the average audience uh, guests coming to Pigeon Forge are here for a week at a time. Mm. Now there's always exceptions. Some people are through town in 10 minutes. They might stop to get gas on their way to the Smoky Mountains. Some people bring their RV and park all summer, but the majority, there's weekenders too, just weekend, but the majority of people are here for a week vacation. If that's the case and they wanna see a magic show, why not let them pick Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday? The example I give uh, if you want to go see the movie Harry Potter mm-hmm. and you want to see it and it's showing at 1 and 4 and 9, right. when are you going to see it? When's convenient see it to you? At 1, 4, or 9. Yeah. It's the only time it's available. If you want to see that movie, that's when you're going to see it. So if they want to see The Magic Show, I let them choose Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We doubled our numbers doing half the shows. Wow. So now we had 16 people show (laughs) up. No, (laughs) no, it had been been growing over the years. Eventually, you were hitting 30. And you cut your costs also because since you're
1: two walling like that, you're only paying for the three nights. Exactly.
0: Ah, So um, that four years became eight years at Country Tonight Theater. Then I was approached by a producer in town who had always wanted to do a magic show, and the right theater was available. 500-seat theater um, right on the parkway. And ironically, the next building moving north, we opened Magic Beyond Belief Theater with the tigers and a big cast and the billboards and the whole nine yards. You didn't have all the wild animals with you before. This was all new. Yeah, just my... You hadn't worked with animals before like that. Well, years ago, doing road shows and the circus shows, we had a tiger with the show. But this was a... Uh, And then moving also to 8 o'clock show, Mm -hmm. 3 o'clock and 8 o'clock. I
1: was just thinking you don't jump right into working with big cats unless you've got some experience with that.
0: So so we ended up doing, get this, we did a two-hour show Mm -hmm. twice a day, seven days a week for three years, not a week off in January. It's one of those "be careful what you wish for" things because it might just happen. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Uh, I was the magician in the gold gilded cage. Uh-huh. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I nice learned, experience and nice money. Uh, yes, I learned about yeah the the a guarantee. You know, being um, mm-hmm. a headliner. And also not sharing the theater with other shows. It was just the magic show. Mm-hmm. So I was able to hone material. I mean, 3,000 hours. I was yeah. on stage 3,000 hours wow. uh, at that theater. Speaking of which, didn't you say, like, when you're coming up right now in
1: your 27th season, how many shows did you say you are going to be? On?
0: I'm at uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow we open our 27th season, show number 8,000 eight hundred and forty seven shows as of tomorrow amazing eight thousand eight hundred and i'm only 19 it's amazing yeah. how that works it's 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 not a vampire it's a delusion it's a delusion but uh so we performed there for three years and and quite frankly i i, I couldn't take it anymore mm-hmm. i couldn't take the I schedule uh i i, I had to get away yeah i had to i had to call it quits And oh, the buzz and the magic fraternity. Terry's sick. He's lost his mind. He's moving to Japan. I heard it all. (laughs) But the truth was I was exhausted. And I told the producer, I said, look, in all honesty, I could do another year of this and I will end up hating magic. Mm -hmm. I would rather do card tricks on the corner in Gatlinburg next year and leave with my passion intact. Good point. They understood. It was a little back and forth, but... But I um, I had to let that go. I got a call from WonderWorks, the upside down building. They have a few around the country. Don't leave town until you talk to us. Are you, if you're leaving town, going back on cruise ship? Don't don't leave until you talk to us. Because that was the us. buzz. I mean, that was the rumor that yes. you were sure going to leave. Right. So I went uh, to meet with the owner of WonderWorks, invited me to uh, his home, and his wife is doing dishes in the kitchen. And it was interesting and the quickest negotiation I've ever had. Uh, Robin Turner. His partner in the building was John Morgan of Morgan & Morgan Attorneys in Florida, one of the biggest attorney uh, outfits in, in the state of Florida. But I met with Robin, and this is what he said. He said, you know, you had a good gig across the street. I'm trying to put together what would have brought it to a close. So here's what I want to know. I don't want to know what you want. I want to know what you don't want.
1: Wow. It's an interesting uh, twist. Really
0: yeah. So I said, well, I, I don't want to work seven days a week. He said, done. I said, I don't want to be doing a two-hour show twice. A, done. I I don't want to be working on Christmas and Thanksgiving. I mm-hmm. want to be with my family. Done. I want to c- maintain creative control of my own... Pr- done. I I just... It was amazing. I mean... Fifteen minutes, we signed a contract, and the contract was a piece of notebook paper that he ripped in half, and it was a handshake deal, mm-hmm. and guess what he said? You know, I, I told him, and I'll tell you folks, show business is two words, show and business, and unfortunately, business is the bigger of the two words. Two-thirds of that. You have to have a good business sense, which I was learning along the way, and and you have to have a good product, a good show, To be successful it can't be one or the other Mm -hmm. it has to be both so i told him that analogy and he says i got an idea handed me a key to the theater he said you've been in this town longer than i have they had been there for about two years and already dedicated 10 years in town he said here's my thought i'll stay out of your show you stay out of my business handed me the key to the theater and i never saw him again
1: that's the kind of relationship to have.
0: We did 10 years, a decade wow. of shows at Wonderworks and both were happy. Oh man, it was a beautiful a beautiful opportunity and that's also when I developed being able to be in one spot for that period of time. I was able to develop a Christmas version of the show mm-hmm. and a Halloween version of the show which actually was my favorite with the haunted house background. Uh, and then featuring stories and, and uh, presentations regarding Houdini, of course, dying on Halloween. It was a wonderful, creative, fun show. And it gave people an opportunity to not come once a year, but for repeat guests to the Smoky Mountains, being able to come twice or three times a year. Mm-hmm. So the numbers were really, really getting good. And then we were selling out 300-seat theater. Did they
1: have TripAdvisor back then, which you were like number one or something? You or? know
0: what's funny? TripAdvisor, uh, the advent of TripAdvisor happened Happened, uh right about the time I was beginning the Magic Beyond Belief Theater, the mm-hmm. third theater in town. And um the producer called and he said, uh, just want to let you know before you go on stage tonight. I'm thinking, oh God, what's this? Be? <laughs> he said, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, online review uh website called TripAdvisor, but you're number one. And we maintained that position for eleven years. Wow. 11 years, we were voted the number one show. And and this is against things that were Dollywood productions yeah. and Ripley's, believe it or not. Uh, and, and I'd like to interject here this. Uh, I'm saying all that not from an arrogant point of view, but from a lesson that I've learned for our listeners. And that is this. It doesn't matter how big the show is or how many sleight of hand tricks you know or how many rhinestones you got sewed so do a costume it how many billboards you got it doesn't matter what it comes down to is having a connection with the audience it doesn't matter if you're doing card tricks or you're making tigers appear it all applies to having a connection with the audience truly being a people person caring about other people Mm -hmm. and realizing the fact that I learned through my career like most of us when I started as a kid my father took me to see Harry Blackstone Jr. when I was nine years old huge impression as a nine year old kid you know everything I know everything (laughs) we were all nasty I know know. (laughs) so I went in this show with this attitude arms crossed I'm gonna know how he does every trick. well five minutes into the show my jaw was on the floor I stopped worrying about how it was done mm-hmm. and just enjoyed the show and that's how i wanted my whole career i wanted people to watch the show
1: you have to break that fourth yeah wall.
0: exactly you've got to break that down the fourth wall make the personality the star of the show mm-hmm. not the tricks the personality the actor we're actors we're playing the part of a magician right. that's what a real magician is it's not about the tricks having a violin doesn't make you a violinist Mm-hmm. having a prop doesn't make you a magician it's the presentation and doing it on your own one of my favorite quotes that i i kind of coined in my career is this because so many people try to emulate other magicians and i've kind of isolated that from myself i uh, i i don't watch tv specials i've never seen the first episode of Penn and teller i don't want to be influenced influenced by other people's creativity ideas or work so when i when i meet a young upcoming magician my advice to them is this to not copy presentations, music, lines from other performers, especially magicians. I tell them, you cannot be the people you admire. You can only be yourself, and that in itself is admirable. That's my advice to the young kids coming up. Find your own way. You can use the you know the outlines and patterns of a successful career, but as far as content or material in a magic show, try to make it your own. A lot of us do the all the same tricks, sure all the same tricks, but that violin um, analogy, you and I each, you and I could each have a violin and play the same song, but your take on it would be entirely different than mine mm-hmm. uh, in one man's hands, the linking rings. Or art, another magician, it might be a filler trick mm-hmm. before the next presentation. You just have to find your own way. And I think the best advice I have in doing that. Is to bring your own true life experiences and integrate that as part of the presentation. Instead of going up, you have a fourteen-year-old kid hit the stage. When I was traveling through India, I met a genie. Not very believable. Yeah, you gotta make it your own. Tell the. Tie in the true stories of your life, your experiences, your ups and downs, and, and, and make that part of the presentation so that you do become a personality and, and a presence on stage, Um, I just think that's really one of the best pieces of advice I can give. That's good to be yourself. Be your own person. Bring your personal experiences and life to the stage, uh, and and I think that's the way you come across the footlights and you connect with the audience.
1: There's nothing wrong to begin with. I think in starting with trying to emulate someone else, and I'm mean, comparing that, let's say, with the, the masters of the world. Uh, let's say, uh, like Degas, you know, and. Uh, uh, um, Salvador Dali and others had people who would actually take their paintings and paint over them and learn how they yes. painted, and so this way that they would make exact duplicates or copies of them, but they still were not going to be at Dali or, or yes. Magritte or whatever. So
0: I'll I'll give you an example of a a, a wonderful story. It's a, it's a long story, but I'll I'll make we'll it close longer. with this. I'll then. make <laughs> it longer. No, I'm kidding. That's classic. Because yeah. that's, who that's who you, you are. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in integrating your, your own life's experiences in a show. My mother's favorite song was um, Vincent, um, Starry, Starry Night. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what made me think of it when yeah. you said that. Uh, Don McLean released it. And I wanted to use her favorite song for a trick. Uh, Unfortunately, my mother is full-blown Alzheimer's right now and no longer Mm -hmm. knows me as of last month. Uh, Alzheimer's, as you all know, is a cruel trick of nature Mm -hmm. to get us that far along in our lives and take our memories, too. Um, There must be a reason, but at this moment, I can't tell you what it would be. But regardless, her favorite song uh, was Vincent's Song, as the real title is. People call it Starry Starry Night, but it's really called Vincent's Song. And it's a song about the struggling artist. You know, Vincent van Gogh didn't sell three paintings during his, his lifetime, lifetime, and now you couldn't touch them. It's amazing. And um, he, he went certifiably insane and then eventually took his life. Right. Uh, first cutting off his ear, which was in his mind not an act of insanity, but an act of love. love. Mm-hmm. It was a gift yes. to the person he was in love with and, of course, horrified, mm-hmm. uh, But which then took him on a downward spiral, and he ended up taking his life. In the song, there's a beautiful line, uh, when no hope was left in sight on that starry, starry night, you took your life as lovers often do. But I could have told you, Vincent, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you.
1: Hmm.
0: Wonderful lyrics from Don McLean. So I decided to put it together with my carb manipulation act and it happened quite on accident. When I was taking the Chavez course, I lived in Chicago. My parents would drive me to the train station. I could took a train hour to Chicago, walked seven blocks to the Greyhound station, took a Greyhound bus three hours to Michigan where my instructor would pick me up, we'd do the course for several days and reverse the process and take the Greyhound three hours back home and so on. Was that Neil? Uh, unfortunately, I missed Neil by one season. Mm-hmm. His protege, Chris Jakeway, was my instructor. And of all the magic that we learned in that sleight of hand course, uh, billiard balls, cards, thimbles, cigarettes, coins, and um, uh, I think that's it. The card magic was what I was feeling. The canes, right. I guess. Yes, and the canes, Fantasio-type things. Mm-hmm. So the point of the story is I had three hours to the course and three hours back with nothing to do but listen to my Walkman back then mm-hmm. uh, and, and practice my sleight of hand and I was shuffling the cards and my mom's favorite song came across I'm fanning the cards and I hear starry starry night and it just it, wow. it fit mm-hmm. so I put together this routine premiered it at Abbott's And I felt very comfortable with it. I've never done a show without it. I've done that with the shows previous to Pigeon Forge. I've done that probably about 10,000 times. And I think of my mother every time. I think of Chavez. I think of that bus ride. I I think of all these things. So the punchline of this story is remarkable. I was performing at uh, Magic Man Belief and did the act. Unbeknownst to me at the time, there was a woman in the audience. Her name was Angie. She brought at the time her five year old daughter Caitlin to Pigeon Forge for what Angie knew would be their final time together family vacation. Yeah. She was planning on taking her life on Monday. She felt in her depression that uh, she was an unfit single mother, and that if she were gone, her daughter would have a better chance at life with anyone. Without her, anyone would be a better role model than she was. So she brought Caitlin to Pigeon Forge, brought her up in front of the brochure rack, and said, pick anything you want, and that's what we'll do. And thank God she picked the Magic Show brochure. They came to the show. I, of course, learned all this after the fact. She came to the show, and Angie is watching her daughter. She later told me she wasn't watching the show. She was watching her daughter enjoy the show and contemplating what she would be doing when they got home. So, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'll get emotional. She... uh, (laughs) She said she wasn't paying attention to the show at all until that song started Starry, Starry Night. And when she heard the lyrics, when no hope was left in sight on that starry night, you took your life as lovers often do. She thought, it kind of woke her up and she thought, what in God's name is there a suicide reference in a magic show? Of all things, a magic show? Maybe when you go to to church or something. She knew it was speaking to her. Wow. She On the drive home, she thought about her actions, and she got home, ripped up the suicide note, flushed the pills, sought a church, uh, got help, and, uh, and as she tells me, God told her to become an artist. She started painting, and it's ironic to me and, and chilling when I tell you now the facts. Vincent van Gogh took his life on July, I think, the 29th. I was born on June 17th, exactly a year later on June 17th, Don McLean released the song Starry Starry Night. It was July of 88 that I created the card routine, premiered at Abbott's Magic Convention. It was July 29th that Angie came to see the magic show and has the ticket stubs to prove it and became an artist. So I want you to picture in your mind a, a wheel, the wheel of life, a clock. Starting with Vincent taking his life, July. My birth, Don McLean's song, becoming my mother's as we're going around this clock. We're about 6 o'clock now. Angie coming to see the show about 9 o'clock in our, in our clock vision. And we're back to the beginning in this full circle of life. The point of this if Vincent, Pri- uh, Vincent Price, I'm Thank sorry, you. if Vincent Van Gogh had not taken his life, Angie's daughter would be without a mother. Wow. Everything, folks, happens for a reason. Listen, truly, good and bad, indifferent, everything on our life's journey happens for a reason. Sometimes we don't understand it in this lifetime, but I promise you everything will make sense. Also, I want to point out that in that wheel analogy, it wasn't about me, it wasn't about Vincent Van Gogh, it wasn't about Don McLean's song or my mother. Those were all spokes that make that wheel turn. Without any one of those spokes, that, that story would not have come to fruition the way it did. I applied that to the show and it made a difference, a big difference in someone's life. Angie painted a beautiful picture as a gift of me performing the card act and the background is Vincent's painting Starry Starry Night Mm -hmm. a prized possession of mine because it tells that story in a nutshell. When people walk through the house and see it, it means nothing but when I walk by that I know how magic not only makes people happy and and takes them away from the realities but (laughs) we have the ability to save a life Save lives, yeah. yeah I mean, if, if that's the only thing I did with this career, it was worth it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, never take anything for granted, in or out of your magic show, regardless of what you do. Uh, I think we are—I don't know you, people who are listening. I don't know you personally in all likelihood, but I know things about you. I'm going to do a little mind reading to close this out. I'm going to read your minds. Here's what I know about you, even though we've never met. You have health. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't be listening to this at this time. You have happiness. You must. You're interested in learning, pursuing, and listening to this and and working on your show and your magic. You have health and happiness. You have family. You must. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here to begin with. You have friends. I hope you do. We have food and shelter. If you didn't have food and shelter, you also wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And we have freedom if we're American citizens. I've never met you, but I know you have health, happiness, family, friends, food, shelter, and freedom all wrapped up in a life that was a gift that we didn't even ask for. It doesn't matter where you think your life came from. I know where mine came from. That's not the debate. The the debate is simply solved in that we all have these blessings. And in those blessings, we can find true happiness. People look for happiness outside themselves. Happiness really comes from inside. Um, I've I've stressed that point with, with you in our earlier conversations, and I want to make sure you understand that. Find happiness in yourself. Be yourself. Take your life stories to the stage. Make your magic real, and you just never know how you're going to touch a life. I have nothing more to add to that other than saying thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Terry, very much. Very touching, very poignant. So for the Magic Word Podcast... This has been a uh, epic episode the last couple of weeks. So uh, that was Terry Evanswood. This is Scotty Young. Thank you, Terry, for being my guest this week. I thank you so much for taking the time you did to show us the Magic Mansion and also to share your thoughts uh, about your life and your history and the magic that you share with others. Also, again, want to thank Tom Vorchehan for introducing us and for setting this up. Again, that's what friends are for, and that's why we appreciate friends like you. We do have friends in the Magic Ward who get recognized in special ways because they are the financial supporters who help us. If you're interested in becoming a friend of the Magic Ward, and joining those others who support us with those financial pledges. Please check out the page on the Magic Word podcast where it says... Become a Friend of the Magic Word. There you can find all the information on how you can help us and why we need your help. Speaking of which, I really want to also thank those who have gone a little bit extra mile, and that is to actually give us a five-star rating over on iTunes and have given us some excellent feedback. And it's those kinds of things that really help our podcast grow. Just for one, I just want to point out that was written here just recently in April of 2023. CNY Magic titles this, Best Podcast for Serious Magic Lovers. He says, Scott has great conversations with his many friends in the magic world. If you just want to listen to interviews or learn tricks, there are plenty of other podcasts. If you want to hear casual conversations and get to know the human side of performers, famous and new to you, there is no better podcast than The Magic Word and no better host than Scott Wells. Wow. That just tickles my fancy. (laughs) Uh, That's what the fancy sounds like when it's tickled. (laughs) Hey, listen, thank you very much. That was very flattering. Thank you very much. And I would appreciate if others of you who have not left a review could do so. Again, it doesn't cost you anything, but just a little bit of time. And while you're using your device, whether it's a computer or laptop or your phone or whatever, please go over and uh, leave us a nice review on whatever kind of platform that you use to listen to the Magic Word podcast. Well, I want to remind everybody, please, uh, this is the last week that we're going to run this contest that's going to be available for a chance to win a PDF uh, of the e-book or perhaps a hard copy of Take 5 by Michael Bregger. Again, I want to thank Michael very much for offering this. And again, go to this week's com to this episode, and there is a form you can fill out, put in your name and email address. And then next week, we will announce to the winners as we draw the random names for that. So good luck, and please enter today. And I don't, don't say enter often, enter once. In fact, please just, even if you've got 20 different email addresses, just, just uh, enter one time. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and Find happiness in yourself, be yourself, take your stories to the stage, make your magic real, and you never know how you will touch a life. This is Scotty out.